Today is the final Sunday of Advent. It's not the final day of Advent. That will be on Tuesday. But here's what I want to say about today. There will be parts of today where you will think, why did we have to do that? Please ask a different question. Today, that's a fair question to say, why did we have to do that? Today, I hope the question that you find yourself asking is, where is this inviting me to go that I wouldn't normally go? Allow yourself to do that today. Um, a couple changes are going to be coming up. Uh, the first is that uh, the 9 o'clock hour, it's, when I first got here, it was Sunday school, and then it became community formation, uh, where it was more of like a Bible study. Um, what's changing with that? It's also to help kind of shorten the 10 o'clock period. Uh, I know some of you are like, we, we've been going long for like two years. And, uh, so to help shorten that is 9 o'clock is going to take on a new format. Um, it's kind of started the last couple weeks, but next Sunday will be the first time we, we full out do it, where it's going to be part uh, church service, part discipleship, part uh, Sunday school, part Bible study, all kind of put together. Um, and so in a way, we are going to have uh, two services on a Sunday morning. And um, part of this is with my role changing. Um, I won't be as available during the 10 o'clock Part as I have been in the past. It'll still be most of the time, but this is a way to uh, allow me to like unleash every Sunday, like do my full stuff at nine, and then um, we'll have like a shortened version at ten. Um, but so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that, and, and it's usually a smaller group, and so we're able to have conversation and interaction and uh, kind of choose your own adventure and let it go um, wherever it needs to go. So uh, that's, that's one thing that's going to be happening today. If uh, you've ever read the book The Night Tree, I don't know if anybody's familiar with The Night Tree. I know at least one person in the room is, my mother. Uh, my family grew up doing this kind of thing, but it's a book about decorating a Christmas tree outdoors. And um, we're going to have that today. Uh, there's a couple people who have uh, uh, organized some stuff. So if you want to do that, feel free to stick around this afternoon. And that'll be uh, outside. And I'm not sure which tree we're doing. Right, okay. Yeah, there's some really nice evergreens back there. Um, so see Amy if you want more information on that. Tuesday's Christmas Eve, the night before Christmas, because it's not yet Christmas. It'll be the night before Christmas. And um, that's where we experience this transition. And I've done seven Christmas Eve services in my life. And I can say that this is the one I'm the most excited for. I've, I've never anticipated um, a night like I have uh, this year's Christmas Eve. Um, so we're going to have two services for that, four and seven. Um, and, and seriously, I think it's the perfect encapsulation of what it means to celebrate Christmas in a barn like this. So that's coming up um, next Sunday. We're going to, it's the first Sunday of Christmas. So we're going to talk about incarnation and a little bit with lamentations. So I don't know if we've ever mixed those two things before, but we're going to try. And then starting on January 5th, the following Sunday, um, we're starting a new series. And, and seriously, I'm, I'm really proud that we're a community that can work through entire biblical texts together. So we've done Genesis, we've done Exodus, we've done uh, 1 Corinthians, we've done the Sermon on the Mount. Um, it, it's, it's something that I think we do really well. 
And so starting in January, uh, we're going to start studying through the book of Acts. And as our church has um, experienced changes and as uh, what we've experienced a lot with this barn being built and um, as I can sense a lot of changes happening with the folks in the community, um, we're titling this a work in progress. And you're a work in progress. Our church is a work in progress. Our community is a work in progress. Our world is a work in progress. To be a person of faith is to be in progress. And so how do we do that? And I think the book of Acts gives us a bunch of beautiful images that can help uh, us enhance our story for the kind of people we're becoming and the kind of world that we're building. So um, that's going to begin in January, and it won't go two years. We're only going to do it through May, so we're going to move quicker than we have in the past. But uh, So that's what's going on. Um, today, we hope to go on a journey that will prepare us for Christmas. As we've gone through Advent, we have taken time to enter the mess. And I think that's important. And today we're fully going to go into the mess. But the goal is that so that we can clean the mess. So Advent is also, a, it's conveniently a pattern after nature. And so we just had our longest night of the year. It's dark when you wake up. It's dark before you have dinner. It's getting colder. And Advent takes place the same time of year where nature's doing what we're supposed to be doing in this season. And so as creation is moving, it's transitioning from darkness towards this light today, we will do what creation has been showing us. So we're going to have some music. Uh, we're going to look at the text. We're going to engage in some ancient liturgy, and we're going to explore some ideas. And as we leave today, I hope there's a solemnness for us. And we're going to blow out some candles and, and we're going to write on some prayer flags that are going to hang in our barn to be a symbol of what we've been processing, uh, an expression of what Advent has revealed to us and what we hope for in this next year. And so I invite you to come into this space, let it move you, let it inform who you are, and let it prepare us for what we're going to be doing on Tuesday night. I'd like to give a perspective on beauty as we continue through this season that captures the most real beauty that humans can experience. Advent is, after all, one of the most human journeys we're able to practice. For Western culture, we view beauty as perfection. Glamorous, pristine, it's the shiny version of reality. But there is an ancient Japanese phrase, one that has no English equivalent, that offers a different version of beauty. It's the phrase wabi-sabi, that in the impermanent, in the imperfect, in the rustic, and melancholy, their beauty is found. Not in the flawlessness, but because there is a respect for that which is fragile and broken and modest. The beauty is in the blemish the marks that bear witness to the age and scars that emerge from real living. And uh, go to the next picture. In the Japanese tradition, you often find pottery that has been broken from the incidental move or the imperfect potter. And in that pottery, instead of trying to get rid of the, the, the issue with the pot or instead of trying to hide it, 
the Japanese do something different with it. And so you'll find, you'll find these, these pots that uh, it's messy and it, and it looks like something we would want to hide. And you'll see this all, all throughout and there'll be this piece of gold sitting within the midst of it. And I think the reason why they do this is because they understand that the mess is not only a reflection of the real story. When we see your scars, when we, when we see those pieces filled with gold, we're seeing that something profound has happened that made you who you are in that moment. But I also think they, I believe that they do this because they understand that that messiness, that imperfectness, that's where beauty and transformation and goodness are most likely to be found. The divine dwells in the darkest places. And when we go there, that's where we will find him. Just as nature is full of its cycles of life and death, light and darkness, emptiness and fullness, we, as a part of that same nature, must avoid the tendency to rebel against what is real. Just like Wabi Sabi shows us, life is bittersweet. Ebbing and flowing with misery and joy, loneliness and love, absence and presence. And letting those complicated marks enhance our lives is the invitation of Advent. Today, we are invited into the epitome of what is real. The next time we gather in this room, the door will be open and we will be ready for it. But it begins here, where the lights aren't all on where the darkness pervades our bones and we will want to run away from it. We may feel the urge, the longing for false perfection that we desire, but don't let it trick you because beauty will be found here. Transformation will start here and the hope of a better world will only come if we let this part of the story shape how we move forward. We've gone through the process absence and darkness that created contrast for us to see where we need to go, which led to waiting, the active kind that disrupts us with powerlessness and orients us to the slow process of change ahead and to the unfinished tension of the universal ache that we still need Jesus to come. That culminates today where the light sits just before us, yet they aren't all on. Where the manger lies empty, though we can see where the story will go next, it won't end this way. So go here today, into the wabi-sabi of our human journey, because the world is about to turn. The story continues. Will we continue with it? If we allow the realness of our lives and world to bear witness to the story, it will transition us to a different future. Whatever God is doing in the world, our tr tradition begins and invites us to start here. Spring only comes after winter. New life only starts after a seed has been planted. And real might not always be glamorous, but it is always beautiful. Be true to reality as this morning continues so that we can ensure that reality will change as we move into what is next. I want to begin with a reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, a prophecy of Zechariah. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us. 
to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. As we approach Christmas, we will hear the line, and if you've listened to enough Christmas music, you've certainly heard it. Peace on earth. The question we have to ask today is, how's that going for us? Peace on earth. I'm not so sure. It doesn't feel like peace on earth. And that's why I think this reading from Luke chapter 1 is so profound. Because it says, to guide our feet to the way of peace. Peace on earth, it's here. But it's here because it's moving. And it's not finished. But we can move closer to it. And we need to. If we pay attention, we can certainly see that we need to. We aren't where we need to be in our lives, in our community, in our world. Things aren't the way where everything has been set right. There is still space for us to traverse. And before we can build the light, we need to see what light we need. Before we can clean up the mess, we need to feel where the mess is, what it looks like, and what we ought to do about it. The work for us then continues. And we need to long for that beautiful destination that still sits before us. And the way that our tradition throughout church history and throughout our ancestry in Judaism have shown us that we ought to do this is to cry out. If you pay attention to the text, you see again and again that divine voice crying out. You see it in the book of Job. You see it in the Psalms. You, you see it in Lamentations. You, you see it even with Jesus. That sometimes, when you feel a darkness this strong, when you feel it, you're invited to cry out. And something happens when you do. So I want to look at this text from Lamentations. We might read this and think, certainly that has no place in the life of faith. And I would argue that it does. We read this, the city weeps bitterly at night with tears on her cheeks and no one to comfort her. Is it nothing to you, all who pass by? Look and see if there is any sorrow like my sorrow which has brought upon me, which the Lord inflicted on the day of his fierce anger. That's in the Bible. Jesus on the cross does the same thing. The disciple named Thomas who cries out in doubt and yet is the only one to properly proclaim Jesus as his Lord and his God. You will see better when you go into the darkness. So go there. How do you, in this moment, need to cry out? What needs to be different in our world? What isn't okay? How do we still need Jesus to come? If there was shalom and beauty and health in all things, what would that look like? And how doesn't it look like that right here and now? How is this manger before us still a bit empty? Where are we still in need of a little light? If we are to be people of Christmas, people of incarnation, we need to go into this space between because only then will it move forward. Only then will we one day see the beautiful crack of gold on that pot that is certainly broken. 
The next time we're in this room, we'll find that our cries have a solution at hand. But before we get there, let's go here. Let's feel it. We will be different if we do. And so we're going to have a meditation at this time. And I want to invite you to experience this fully. Let yourself go into that. Remember, if you find yourself asking, why do we have to go here? Please ask a different question. What will happen if I do? Where is this taking me that I wouldn't normally go? Ask that question instead because of the response that we'll see as this next year unfolds will be more powerful if we do this first. And so we're going to watch a video. And um, this video, again, it's, it's that good that we do it every Advent. But this video tells a story, and then uh, it's going to share a text from Isaiah 64, a text that we studied the, earlier this morning and I think powerfully embodies what we're invited into. It's a text that's uh, traditionally part of readings uh, on this Sunday in Advent throughout the global church. And in the middle of the, the video, there will be a very uncomfortable moment for all of us because we're going to watch Harry do something that is uh, a little bit strange. And... As he does, if you find yourself uncomfortable, go ahead and just go into your mind into the places that you feel that same discomfort, okay? So let's go ahead and watch this together, and then we'll continue with an interactive meditation. Several years ago, it was a Sunday, and I had got a call where a family needed someone to be present with them in hospital. So I show up to this hospital, and there's a man hooked up to all sorts of wires and cords and tubes, and he's not responsive. He had been diagnosed with cancer some time ago, and here, here he was. He had been declared cancer-free, and now the cancer came back, and it didn't just come back slowly. It came back, and it took over. And so I get there with the family, and in the family are three young girls who are still in school. And I remember just thinking, these three young girls who haven't seen much of the world are having to sit in a hospital bed and watch the man they love, the man that they have been dependent on their entire lives. They're watching their father die. And in that kind of moment, there's just this sense of desperate ache and pain and being there with that family that day. The only thing they could do, the, the only thing they needed to do was cry out. When we feel Advent in the way that we're intended to, it's almost as if it requires something of us and it requires us to cry out and feel this depth Like for you, just think of a moment where you lost something. Think of a moment where everything failed and you had nothing left. The feeling where there is no light at the end of the tunnel. That's the tension that we're invited into. And it's the same tension that the people of Israel experience in exile. Sometimes it gets communicated that to be a person of faith is to have everything together. But if you take the Bible seriously, Lament is a critical part of the experience of faith. 
And as we find ourselves immersed in darkness and waiting and longing, if we have taken this movement seriously, this is the natural part. Advent is inviting us to cry out today in good faith to this season. So if we are going to be able to embrace God's world and Jesus' presence, that process will deal with this. We need to cry out. And there's an example that comes from the book of Isaiah. It is a beautiful cry of Advent that we need not only to take seriously, but to participate in. Isaiah says this, Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down, so that the mountains would quake at your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, so that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome deeds that we did not expect, you came down. The mountains quaked at your presence. From ages past, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who works for those who wait for him. You meet those who gladly do right, those who remember you in your ways. But you were angry, and we sinned. Because you hid yourself, we transgressed. We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy cloth. We all fade like a leaf, and our inequities, like the wind, take us away. There is no one who calls on your name, or attempts to take hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us, and have delivered us into the hand of our inequity. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. So do not be exceedingly angry, O Lord, and do not remember our inequity forever. Now consider, we are all your people. Your holy cities have become a wilderness. Zion has become a wilderness. Jerusalem, a desolation. Our holy and beautiful house where our ancestors praised you has been burned by fire. And all our pleasant places have become ruins. After all this, will you restrain yourself, O Lord? Will you keep silent and punish us so severely? May this be our cry today. May we own this experience. May we feel it. And may we take on a posture of saying, May God come down. God, may you not be silent. As you have done in the past, tear open the heavens and come down. Make your presence known. Bring your kingdom to this place. For we are waiting. Your turn. That video is entitled, Enter, Leave It All, and Exit. So it's your turn. How do you need to say to the divine in this moment, tear open the heavens and come down? Every year we do this because every year we move just a bit at a time and there's still more work to be done. And so right now, amidst all the progress that's been made in your life and in the world, Set your intentions on that divine imagination. And that will compel it forward. We still need to pay attention to what God is doing in the world. And if we get in tune with it, the world will never be the same. And so I want to begin with this confession. You can participate in this however you would like to. A confession, at least in our tradition, is not meant to bring guilt. It is meant to bring hope. 
It is meant to reveal to us the things that need acted upon. So may this reveal to you where the world needs to go, own it, and allow that to be what determines what we'll do next. Where is Emmanuel? God, we thought you were with us. We languish for you to come down. Why are you silent? In our hate, in our lack of compassion, in our violence, in our wars, in our racism, in our imperialism, in our pursuit of comfort at the expense of our brothers and sisters, in our pursuit of luxury at the expense of our earth, in our corruption, in our depletion of creation, in our greed, in our false economies, in our Orientalism and entitlement towards those we don't understand, in our judgments, in our fear, in our withholding, in our brokenness, in the messes of our families, in our misplaced notions of pride, in our selfishness, in our misinformed abuse of love and physicality, especially of women, in our idolatry, especially of our religious idols, in our assumption that we are always right, in our failure to listen how your church has lost its way in our failure to take care of our bodies and the destructive practices our culture has made normal in our search for value in anything that is not your grace in our need to always prove our worth in our inability to have healthy relationships in our jealousy and grumbling in our failure to love and all that is wrong and all that isn't yet your kingdom God as you have done in the past tear open the heavens and come down make your presence known bring your kingdom to this place Emmanuel where are you be here somehow for we are waiting Christmas peace. As Christians we proclaim peace on earth. But we have done wrong. We have not chosen peace. We have not brought shalom to our lives and communities and our world. We have not chosen love of you, our neighbors, or even ourselves. We have not chosen beauty. We have not chosen joy. We have not chosen goodness. We have not chosen hope. We have tarnished the gift you gave freely. We have buried you so deeply in our hearts the world doesn't see you. We have not followed Christ. We have ignored your teachings. We have lived lives of apathy against your love. We have built fences and fortresses to push people away. And we have silenced the screams of those in need. Therefore, God of all creation, we confess that we have not chosen your world. We have not chosen your ways are in need of your liberation. Forgive us, we pray. Forgive us for missing you, forgetting your dream, neglecting the world, 
and failing to bring your kingdom in all of these ways. Yet, we thank you for that your grace and your kingdom are not limited to what we have done for our faithfulness, but your faithfulness, and that your light still overcomes the darkness that we have brought. In your light, may we now come. Free us from our sin. Free us from our captivity and exile. Heal us. Forgive us. And make us again like you. May we move into the light Now we're going to read the Magnificat. And as we do, I hope this is an example of how to respond to this. Mary, in, in her darkness, in the world that she knew, of the pain that she experienced with her people and her life, heard of this good news. And this was her response. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. And holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him. From generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. According to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. The next time we gather, we will celebrate that the story isn't over. But for now, we need to be honest about where the story is. Just like Mary, say yes now to giving birth to the divine. It will be harrowing. It will be difficult. It will take you to places that you might want to avoid. But as the light is beginning to crack through the darkness of the world, how will we partner with the divine that is pulsating through the fabric of the universe? All Advent, we have lit the votive candles at the back as the symbol of the light we yearn for. Today, those votives have been lit before us. And your invitation is in the midst of this feeling to extinguish one. And as you smell that smoke ascend, may that be a reminder to you that there's more work to be done. And as we sing this chorus and allow these words to pierce us again, we want to invite you to write on prayer flags, to write on them how the manger is still empty, how the light's still needed, to write on them where we hope the world to go, to write on them what the works in progress are. And by writing them down, you're committing to say, I will do something about this. My year will be different because of this. This is how incarnation will be birthed into the world. And so however you need this time, as this manger lies empty before us. I invite you to go to the back. Wait, wait until there's space. You don't have to form a line. We have time. But extinguish a candle. Say a prayer. Confess the things that you need to. Enter the table. Leave it all. And then exit. And around the table are the prayer flags with some markers. And 
write on those and we hope to hang those in these barn and they'll be for us a symbol all year of what we dedicated ourselves to on this day but write on them and if you feel compelled come and place it in this empty manger for this is a symbol for us of the hope that we still need of what we need to become the kind of world we need to build place in this manger everything that will lead to the fulfillment of incarnation this season and in us Go ahead and take some time and do this. Extinguish, write, place that up here. And then we'll say one more prayer as a benediction together to properly prepare us for Christmas Eve.